Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville. Local Pride, Global Technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com. 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about state politics with Brian Howie. Brian's a journalist, political analyst, and publisher of Howie Politics Indiana. You can join the program by calling 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 from outside the Bloomington <laughs> calling area. And you can also join the discussion at our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Brian, thanks for being here. Hey, great to be back on campus. Uh, right. Somebody <laughs> from the class of 78. All right. That's great. Well, Brian is, uh, is a, a, a nonpartisan independent journalist. Um, he's done he, – he sort of branched out. Uh, I've I knew I've known his father for many years. He was he's an old editor, retired editor and publisher in in the state, uh, and his grandfather was also a journalist. So he's been uh, Brian's been in a, a journalism family. Deep roots I, here. Got to love that. Yeah, my dad uh, was editor of the IDS, uh, sat in Ernie Pyle's old desk, and uh, so I've tried to continue that legacy. Right? Very cool. But you've just taken it on to new media. And well, <laughs> I thought I was going to be in newspapers all my career, but uh, so did he. I'm still hoping. <laughs> <laughs> Branched out on my own, and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, hey, it's great to have you here, and there are so many things we can talk about. Uh, the, the political world is uh, red kind of, hot. It is right red now. hot. It's crazy. And I want to I want to mention, we, we have uh, you know our various people on the show, and Baron Hill was here with us just mm-hmm. two or three weeks ago, and you know he's in the middle of this health care issue, it seems to me. I mean, he's been getting, uh, I, I don't know, he's, he's just seen to be um, well, he, he's he's been supportive of Obama and a lot of things that Obama's been doing, and he's getting a lot of uh, feedback. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, he's gone on quite a limb for Barack Obama, going back to uh, mm-hmm. April of '08 when he came out with the endorsement. When a lot of the county chairs and the activists in the eighth, uh, ninth congressional district were. Uh, we're lining up uh, behind Hillary. And, and I just want to just make a kind of an over, overall comment on, on what's going on in this state. Uh, we had about 56 uh, presidential, vice presidential campaign stops between Obama, Hillary Clinton, uh, Sarah Palin, Joe Biden, and, and then Chelsea and, and the former president. And I estimate we had about 500,000 Hoosiers that turned out for these, these campaign rallies. So, you know, it was – Probably the most sensational political year we've seen since 1968 here. Mm-hmm. And now in 2009, it, it's probably the most vigorous uh, public policy year that we've seen. Do you and feel it, like Hoosiers found their voice because finally we mattered in a national election? Absolutely. And, and just the town hall segment that we just witnessed uh, this past August, uh, you know, I've been kind of following all the all – the, the various town halls that I think seven of the 11 uh, members of Congress have had. The two U.S. senators didn't have any and Brad Ellsworth didn't have one. Uh, Andre Carson didn't have one. But every, I think just about everybody else did. And um, I estimate at least 10,000 Hoosiers uh, turned out for these town halls, uh, which, by the way, were fairly civil compared to some of the things we've yeah. seen in Missouri and Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I mean, we know we covered Barron Hill's town hall here and um, it was – uh, it was fairly civil, I think, based on other things that I've seen and, and other stories I've read. But, but nevertheless, there was there were a lot of there was a lot of catcalling uh, right. you know, and a lot of a lot of booing and hissing. Although I think at the town hall meeting in Bloomington, um, I, I've heard from many people who were there that despite what our story said, which was it was a kind of a divided audience, that it was probably more more like four to five to one in favor of Baron Hill and, and some of the positions he's taken. So, Well, certainly Bloomington would be, you know, uh, f- uh, friendlier territory mm-hmm. 
than some of the other places in the Ninth yeah. District. And you know, before uh, Barron decided to have the the two town halls that he did, he uh, uh, Mike Sodrell, who who's run against him what four, four times yeah. and uh, is in the process of thinking about a fifth fifth run against him, you know, said, boy, you know, I, w- I went to town halls and the first one I did was Bloomington. And that was really interesting considering he's a conservative. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I attended uh, uh, Joe Donnelly's town hall up in Kokomo. Uh, it was going to be at a, um, at a, at a conference room in a, in a, in a business. And uh, when I got there, there were 500 people sitting out wow. on the street and they just moved the microphone out onto the street. And it was about 85 degrees. And this is, you know, at six o'clock in the evening. Uh, but it was very civil. And, yeah, there was some hooting and catcalling and eye-rolling and that, that kind of thing. But uh, uh, I think Joe, like like Barron, you know, pretty much uh, uh, laid down the rules, I guess, as, yeah, <laughs> as he right, did here. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a great exercise in democracy. And, and we've seen that pretty much all across the, the state. Do you felt that they were kind of compelled to have those, that there would have been horrible repercussions had they not held the town hall meetings? Yes, and uh, when I was down at French Lick, the ID uh, Indiana Democratic Editorial Association, I had a couple of uh, county chairs uh, f- from the Eighth District, Brad Ellsworth, saying, "You know, we're, we're not sh- so sure the, the congressman should have town halls." And my response was, "You can't be afraid of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a member of Congress, uh, you've got to get out there and talk." And, and I think you pretty- knew the kitchen was hot when you got in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and, and uh, you know, it was fascinating to watch. Uh, and, and the first couple of town halls we saw, uh, particularly the one with Arlen Specter. Uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, kind of got off to a very volatile start. And then we saw some uh, – the president have one, had one in Portsmouth, uh, North uh, uh, New Hampshire, another one in Phoenix. And, of course, those those made headlines because people were showing up with AK-47s yeah, right. and signs that said, you know, water the tree of liberty. Uh, and, uh, and I think that early in August, that kind of set the tone that, boy, this is such a, a crucial issue, health care reform. And, and this is on top of – you know, cap and trade in Afghanistan and Iraq and just mm-hmm. a myriad of other issues coming up here. But I think the word got out in Congress, you better get out and talk to your people and at least let listen. As Mark Souter, the congressman mm-hmm. up in Fort Wayne, was saying, you know, I didn't talk that much. I, I came to listen and people kind of came to vent, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do think uh, that a lot of these members are have, have gone back to Washington and are you know, are bringing new ideas and new perspectives uh, to the table. I know that after the president's speech on Wednesday, uh, uh, the, the Blue Dogs, including Baron Hill, were uh, conferencing uh, yesterday morning. I couldn't get them on the phone because they were in conference, and I'm sure they're they're going over everything that, that's on the plate and trying to figure out what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, our phone number today, uh, as always, eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington, eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside of the Bloomington calling area. And you can also join our discussion at our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. If you weren't with us at the very beginning of the show, Brian Howey is our guest. Brian is a journalist, political analyst, and publisher of the Howey of – Howie Politics, Indiana. Uh, you, you, you know, we're talking about some national issues, which obviously have mm-hmm. huge repercussions and ramifications for all of us here in Indiana. Um, I, I've been struck by the town hall meetings. A lot of what we see as um, you know, there is a lot of misinformation out there, and I wonder. I guess I'd like your opinion. Do these town hall meetings? And even President Obama's speech on television the other night—you know—he right. gets he gets the bully pulpit, so he gets sure. up and he says, "This is you know here are here are the facts, you know A, right. B, C, and D." But then afterward, you know, the Republicans come on the air and they say, "Well, those weren't the facts; these are the facts." Um, are are these town hall meetings being effective? And the president's speech, you know, in a separate question, being effective in getting the message out about the congressman's position. You know, it depends on who you talk to. It, it, it's fascinating. I was with a, a friend of mine, Dave Galvin, who uh, uh, had been with Mayor Goodnight up in Kokomo, and he was he was saying, you know, I can be with friends who are very smart, and if they're Republican, they think, you know, people on the Democratic side are idiots, and 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 vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. and and it seems like a segment of the population is kind of dug in. Um, and a lot of these people that are crying socialism and that kind of thing, I, I don't think they've even read. Uh, what, what's going on. And I, this is a very dynamic process too. Uh, I thought the president's speech last night was, or uh, Wednesday night was very centrist and um, he came to the center on a lot of things including the uh, – what David Brooks in the New York Times is calling the, you know, the dime perspective uh, which as he said, I'm not going to sign a bill that adds mm-hmm. a single dime. Mm-hmm. 
to the uh, uh, the federal budget deficit. Well, that just pretty much eliminates uh, House Bill uh, 3200. And if you go to some of the town halls uh, that I've witnessed, uh, that Congressman Burton and Pence and Souter and Booyer have had, you know, they've just been railing at at the House bill. And folks, that's that's not going to be the bill that's going to get out. I think I'm watching uh, what uh, uh, Senator uh, uh, Baucus, uh, Max Baucus from uh, Montana, and what they're going to do in the Senate Finance mm-hmm. Committee. That's the one that I think everybody ought to be really paying attention to. And I think it's a very dynamic process. I think it, it's going to be subject to change over the next uh, you know couple months. Uh, Joe Biden was saying that uh, they expect to have a bill out by Thanksgiving. I think that may be a little wishful thinking. But now's the time to really, I think, look at the Senate side. That, that's where you ought to be watching. I think, I think this is a really key point because you hear a lot of, a lot of the, the uh, noise that you hear is how you know, somebody will take one thing that's in one bill somewhere and say, you know, you lie or whatever right. uh, the congressman from – yeah, that's what the congressman from yeah. South Carolina said because there is a bill somewhere. Even though you know, Obama in his speech was saying you know, this is – he's laying out his plan and in fact – and you, know, you correct me if I'm wrong. There, there, you know, he was laying out his plan. There is no bill out there that has been agreed upon or anything where people can say, well, he's lying because that is in the bill. Right. Well, the, the good thing is that there are uh, you know websites that are that are very credible, like I think uh, factcheck.com and CNN has got a, got a thing on their website in which they go through a lot of the rumors and that kind of thing. So if if you're curious enough, if you can get beyond your ideology and you mm-hmm. really want to kind of cut to the core and see you know what's true and what isn't, there are some mechanisms out there that that can help you do that. The question, the problem is that there's probably, I don't know, 30 percent of the population that, that have dug in on both sides. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so it's – but the, the center is still pretty dynamic and I think a lot of people are concerned. They know – you know, even the Republicans like Mike Pence say the status quo is unacceptable. I was really hoping that the Republicans, you know, maybe would line up behind somebody like Mitt Romney, former governor of Massachusetts, who actually, you know, instituted um, – uh, a, a universal health care plan in Massachusetts uh, come up with an alternative to say what what the House was dealing with in 3200 and then barnstorm the country and maybe have Newt and Pence and some of these other guys. But they didn't do that. They they say they have a plan. They were they were all waving them during the speech and everything. I but, wondered what they were waving. I didn't even yeah. know what that was. Thanks for filling me in on that. <laughs> that was the bill or okay. one of the bills. that. Uh, but th- th- there's the problem with the Republican Party is that there's no – natural heir apparent. Um, mm-hmm. There's not, you know, we don't have a, a George W. Bush that, that you know, was, is, was ready to ascend. Um, and, and Sarah Palin, oh, boy. Too much baggage. Uh, death panels, no. They, yeah. There's no, no death panels out there, folks. Right. And even though the, the, uh, the guy, I can't remember his name, who did the Republican response talked about end-of-life panels. That, he did mention that in his response. Didn't call them death panels. Is, was that just a result of the fact that the um, savings were to be through Medicare and Medicaid and so that assumption was made from that in order to prevent the single dime as you were describing earlier? Yeah. You Do, know, am I following that right? Yeah. So actually this was uh, I think a Republican uh, congressman that actually came up with the concept. And this is something that families ought to be doing anyway. I mean if, if grandpa is 87 and uh, and he has – Four months to live, you know. You don't really want to have them do a hip replacement, maybe. Right. right. <laughs> right. You well, know? You know, and, and, and s- you'd like to think that that common sense is already being used out there. Well, know? that's what I'm saying. In some cases, uh, the common sense is, is, has left the building with Elvis, uh, and then you know we, we find out that uh, the special interests of various insurance companies and and uh, groups have spent about 235 million dollars. I think a record for this. Uh, you know, for for a particular issue, it's good for the TV stations, I guess, mm-hmm. who uh, mm-hmm. you know <laughs> kind of need the revenue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there, and, and you know, I've seen some of the ads, like the the chamber, have put out and just been kind of over the top. I think as as far as just spinning things on on you know just really flimsy. Um, you know, factual base. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of that going around. And I, yeah. yeah, and I get very frustrated because it's, uh, you know, I, I wonder how, how gullible can you be? I mean, really, if I just can't imagine that people would uh, believe something as far-fetched as some of these rumors have been. Well, you know, the, the, the real troubling aspect, I, I was very proud of the state for the way that we did conduct the various town halls uh, that the members of Congress uh, 
did. But then, you know, we see the Joe Wilson thing. You know, mm-hmm. you, I've never seen that. Right. And then this whole thing uh, involving the uh, the president's speech before – um, you know, the school kids. Oh, are we going to get on that? Because I got a soapbox I'd like to grab, <laughs> if you don't mind. Go for it, because you know, and these are basic things. You know, I was. We've always had. You know, we've been through some pretty amazing um, sequences over the last thirty or forty years with, uh, you know, Nixon and Watergate, mm-hmm. the Clinton impeachment, uh, the various wars, LBJ. You know, where there have been very unpopular presidents, but I think that some of the stuff we're seeing is really over the top. It is unprecedented and, and I can't imagine, especially with the the uh, speech to school children, I, I'm just shocked that that has seemingly blown over as quickly ha- as it seems to have in, in, in my observation. Well, and maybe that's a good thing because there are a lot more um, serious things that we ought to be discussing uh, than, you know, than the stuff that Rush Limbaugh – and I listened to him the other day and he was, you know, comparing the, the – the, you know the healthcare debate to a food fight and saying that was good and that uh, uh, the John Belushi character in Animal House is actually a U.S. senator at the end of the, <laughs> the yeah, right. end of the movie. Okay, and uh, you know thanks Rush for raising the level of the debate. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I, I do want to say though, so I don't want us to be pounding too much on the right because I, and I don't mean this as necessarily as a criticism, but I also see we we have a group. There's a group of uh, physicians that are on a a statewide tour. It's a group that I think Rob Stone is a friend of theirs. Rob Stone is a friend of the show and a mm-hmm. very smart guy and he's a, he supports single, a single-payer plan um, and got a standing ovation at the uh, town hall meeting here mm-hmm. and Baron Hill actually said, Dr. Stone, I hope you never run for Congress because I think <laughs> Barron good- would be in trouble, at least in Monroe County. Um, but I heard the president say the other night that basically you know, his friends on the left who want a single-payer plan I, I believe I heard him say that's not going to happen. And so – but we still have people who really are trying to push a single-payer plan when it seems like the the answer to health care reform at this point is going to be somewhere in the middle. I, I believe you're right. And again, that's why I said I thought the president's speech you really uh, you know, uh, went toward the center on, on Wednesday night. And I think you know, the Republicans – one of the things I heard a lot – uh, during the town halls that I either attended or, or uh, watched on the web somewhere, you know, the Republicans are saying that there's no, nothing in the bill 3200 that really addresses medical malpractice. And some of the doctors I've mm-hmm. talked to, you know, they're paying, you know, a quarter million dollars mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. Uh, malpractice insurance off the top before they even earn a dime. Right. And that's got to be addressed. Uh, the general practitioners are – are you know that's a winnowing field here because you can you can make a lot more money and get in groups and and uh, not have to pay the, the the exorbitant costs if you're if, if you're specialized and and that's a real problem for a lot of communities who you know down the road particularly as the population gets older here uh, won't have a general you know family physician in town and and that that's one of the things I think that's wrong with the system and so I think the Republicans actually have some some good things to uh, to bring to the table and they ought to be seriously considered. And, you know, one thing I wish President Obama would do is you may ne- next week, you know, invite uh, Boehner and Pence and uh, Mitt Romney and Newt into the White House and, and have a discussion and say, you know, maybe we can add some of your ideas in, into this thing. And, I, and that's the one thing – that's the one thing I think the president has, has kind of missed the boat on. During the 08 campaign – you know, he constantly said, I'm going to reach out to Republicans. And one of the things that we keep hearing from our members here is that, you know, they haven't had a seat at the table. And I think that's one thing the White House can do is, is maybe bend over backwards a little bit and, and try to bring them to the table and then incorporate some of the things they're talking about into the, into the final Senate plan. Yeah, John McCain criticized him uh, for that the day after the speech, and it was that was interesting news to me. But the the question I had was, do you feel that it is in fact the or that the administration or just I don't know circumstances have in fact galvanized the will of the American people toward health care reform, or do you think this is a situation that overall is the American people are going to be led kicking and screaming into this? Um, boy, you know, I think that's to be determined. I, I think many Americans know that there's something wrong, um, and and the fact that you know, talk to a family that that's had a member who's gone through a catastrophic cancer or heart type thing. I mean, you know, there there are a lot of families that are in bankruptcy now because right. of number one cause of bankruptcy, yeah, catastrophic mm-hmm. illness. And I, I suspect I, I know a family in Indy who they're going through that right now. A friend of mine just had a had a brain tumor removed and. Uh, 
uh, it's, it's paying that 20 percent if you don't have some kind of catastrophic coverage. So I think a lot of people know through their own experiences or through friends or family what's at stake here. It's just very complex and as a journalist – it's been very hard for me and in, in particularly, you know, we're getting cascading events. You know, I had to spend quite a bit of time, you know, learning everything I could about cap and trade, for instance, and now healthcare. I mean, this yeah. is not easy stuff. It's very yeah. complex. I think you and, get an honorary MBA after this, actually. Uh, well, you know, I've been thinking about going back. So, uh, uh, and, 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 you know, a, a lot of people aren't going to do the homework. They're just going to listen to the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the president's speech and, and the comments, for, for instance, that Senator Bayh made after he met at the White House, he and uh, 16 other moderate senators uh, met with the president. And some of the comments that I've seen uh, Congressman Ellsworth uh, made, um, I think he's in the process of maybe galvanizing and bringing the Democratic Party together. They kind of splintered off, particularly during August. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think the Joe Wilson thing, you know, somebody who had the tremendity to stand up and go, you lie. And along with uh, Senator Kennedy's death, and I have to tell you, the, the end of the president's speech was just an artful weave. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah. um, using the Kennedy legacy and and posing the question that, well, you know, uh, Kennedy wanted universal health care, but he, he always compromised. And he worked with Orrin Hatch and Chuck Grassley and John McCain. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, this can be done. I, I think that the Democratic uh, part of the of the Congress may be coming together a little bit more than than what people might have expected uh, at the beginning of August. All right, we're gonna we'll let our readers or our, our listeners bring us back to healthcare if they want. I want to follow up on something else before we go to the break, and that is uh, your comment that the um, there's no heir apparent in the Republican Party. I want to mention two people from Indiana and just get your reaction. Mike okay. Pence, you've mentioned several times. Does Mike Pence have any any higher aspirations in politics? And Mitch Daniels, of course, his name keeps getting mentioned. Right. Um, you know, Mike Pence right now is on a congressional track. Um, he didn't think he was going to get a leadership position until after uh, uh, the presidential election and Boehner reached out. Remember, he had challenged Boehner for the, for the minority leader. And uh, uh, when I ask him, you know, Mike, what, what are you going to do? You know, he'll say things like, well, I'm, I'm going to run for re-election in 2010 and I'm, I'm part of the leadership team. He heads Republican conference and, um, and then uh, we'll make some decisions after that. You know, I've got people in his congressional district that are absolutely convinced that he's uh, going to come home and, and run for governor. Uh, uh, during the inauguration, uh, Governor Daniels' inauguration last January, he, he met with, uh, you know, the, the Right to Life folks and the, and the Family Institute and that kind of thing. So he was kind of, you know, uh, touching base with, with that, you know, that uh, family-type constituency here at the Indiana State House. Uh, I'm not sure what, what he's going to do. I wouldn't be surprised if either he stayed in Congress or, or I would not be surprised if he came back and Run for governor. I don't. I don't think he's going to run for president. Um, but there are people that want him to. As far as Governor Daniels, um, his closest political confidence keep telling me that um, no, he's not going to run for president. Uh, the first lady doesn't want him to run for president. He's said that he mocks people who even ask. But then <laughs> his staff keeps sending out you know all these national articles. And uh, then Neil Pickett, who used to be one of his advisors in the, in the governor's office, mm-hmm. had a very interesting comment, which is, well, if the Republic, you know, the Republican Party needed him, you know, and there's some kind of draft Mitch movement, you know, may, well, maybe he couldn't turn that down. I forget the exact quote, but it was like it just opened that door up just a little bit, you know. And then uh, there was a Fort Wayne TV station that asked him, well, you say you're not going to run for president, but would you run for vice president? And he said, well, nobody's asked me that. Actually, I was going to ask him that. We ran out of time last time I was in his office. But he didn't close the door on that either. And, of course, that's a lot more palatable to a, mm-hmm. to a family. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing right. one of these two-year campaigns, yeah. you instead Coming get nominated. Yeah, yeah you, can, you do three months. And, and as yeah. I say, he's got that uh, you know, family uh, vac- uh, you know, weekend place in West Virginia, which is probably an easy drive from the Beltway. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> All right. Good food for thought. All right. We're talking with Brian Howie today from uh, Howie Politics, Indiana. If you have questions or comments for us, please phone us 855-0811-877-285-9348. And you can join the discussion on our website, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. You are listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, Smithville Telephone, information at smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael, and our guest today, Brian Howey, who's a journalist, political analyst, and publisher of Howey Politics Indiana. And what's that website address? Uh, HoweyPolitics.com. HowiePolitics.com. So you can join us on the program at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or you can uh, go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. You better spell Howie. H-O-W-E-Y. Oh, sorry. HowiePolitics.com. All right. Uh, we have a phone call and we have an email. Let's go to the phone first. Michael's on the phone. Michael? Yeah, hi. I was wondering if Mr. Howie or anybody else has any idea why it is that uh, apparently President Obama and the Democrats oppose the Republican idea of permitting uh, cross-state insurance purchases. That, that's a great question, and um, I'm not really sure why, why they're opposed to that because, uh, for instance, the town hall that uh, Congressman Donnelly had up in, in Kokomo, um, that was one of the one of the things he said – uh, and, and and I also when I talked to Mike Sodrell, um a couple weeks ago that w- that was something he was talking about. So this is this is kind of ground where maybe the blue dogs are kind of uh, reaching, you know, touching uh, maybe the the moderate Republican and and uh, and you know competition, um, you know, tends to bring price down mm. and uh, and you've got some states. Um, you know where where one insurance provider, I think in North Dakota, it's like one one company has ninety percent. Blue Cross Blue Shield has ninety percent of the business, mm-hmm. and, and if you talk to some of these rural hospitals, they uh, the reimbursements they get, you know, just kind of this is what you're going to get, and, and ram it down your throat. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a great question, and I'm not sure that the the president and his team has, has really addressed that, and I'm not sure you know what constituency uh, they may be afraid of, uh, you know, offending. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Okay, thanks. Uh, all right. Thanks a lot for the call. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. This is an email that came in um, for someone who first of all says that he did not vote for Obama. Um, but he had just recently corresponded um, very recently with his uncle in in Canada and he's quoting his uncle here. Excuse me. And he says – his uncle, his Canadian uncle says, and do not believe the horror stories about the Ontario health plan. It has for the past 50 years treated us fairly and promptly with our choices of doctors, surgeons and specialists. Unfortunately, our provincial state income taxes are high as well as our gasoline taxes to help pay for our services. In addition, I had to pay a state tax surcharge of $1,200 a year for uh, his wife and himself. Uh, and once Mr. Obama launches your government plan, watch your taxes go up too. In Canada, our plan is not run by the federal government, but is run by each province or state. I'm scheduled for laser eye surgery on September 29th, and it was arranged at Toronto's best eye clinic within a matter of days. Our health plan covers the entire deal. Again, do not believe all the negative stories in the U.S. media about Ontario's plan. Uh, And then the uh, nephew, I suppose, continues, uh, I don't expect progress from our Congress. Bacchus's committee seems to be a wholly owned subsidiary of the healthcare millionaires that operate our system. I'd rather pay taxes than float Bacchus's yacht. All right. Well, there's one of our listeners commenting. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's um, 
something that I think a lot of a lot of uh, folks out there might want to you know do some research on. I read a, an article in the New York Times about the British uh, plan, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, the, the, I think the the, the situation in, in these countries that have some kind of uh, you know uh, federal uh, health system is. Uh, you don't end up going broke if you have a catastrophic illness. Um, mm-hmm. In the British plan, uh, uh, you can get supplemental insurance. So they, they, I think they use an example of uh, this woman uh, who wrote the article. Her husband had had a stroke and the government um, clinic uh, which treated these people was kind of dingy and everything. And so she uh, you know, used her supplemental plan. And got him into you know a first class, very very uh, modern facility uh, that was able to treat him quite well. But the, but the fact is, while they pay higher taxes there, um, their family wasn't broken financially. Mm-hmm. And you know that that's uh, ever since uh, uh, the first uh, President Bush got up in 1988 and said, "Read my lips, no new taxes." Mm-hmm. There, there's this uh, there's a strong element in the population who. Including in the Democratic Party, and including particularly here in Indiana, who that—that's the mantra: you don't raise taxes for anything. Right. Well, I don't know if if somebody came out with a plan and said you're going to pay a thousand dollars a year for it, but you'll never go bankrupt, you mean because we'll, we'll have your catastrophic illnesses covered. I don't know. I mean, that might be a pretty good trade-off. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure if there's some rock group conservatives out there, they're they're you know probably got steam coming out of there. And you right can now. give us a call if you want eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight wfiu dot org slash noon edition. Um, I wanted to uh, go back as I said, if listeners want to take us back to healthcare. We'll go. We'll go certainly. I want to go back to politics and uh, the Republican politics because one of the Republicans that has been uh, making a lot of noise recently is Senator Luke Kinley who has been talking about, uh, you know, particularly in Bloomington, Lafayette, right. uh, you know, higher education and higher education costs. And he's really uh, taken on a role that some believe may be a little bit more of a role than he should have in trying to control that. Now, you know, the, you can take his side or take the university's side, I guess, but the universities have made uh, some changes and adjustments to try to lower the cost because of what Senator Kinley was doing. Right. Yeah, there is a little bit of a populist ring to it. Uh, you know, the fact that they, they were able to increase, however slightly, you know, higher ed considering what, what's happening to the state and, and the reserves. Mm-hmm. Um, do we take this as early signs that Luke Kenley's going to run for governor? Is that, is that that's, maybe kind that's of, sort of That's sort of where I'm headed, headed. yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, Luke has, has run for governor um, in the past. In 2003, he kind of had a campaign uh, going and that's uh, and then Mitch Daniels came back to the state and, and everybody kind of, you know, fell by the wayside mm-hmm. fairly quickly. I'm, I'm just not hearing a lot of talk about a Kenley uh, gubernatorial run uh, in 12. Um, you know, we're hearing uh, Mike Pence, uh, Lieutenant Governor Skillman, um, uh, Brian Bosma, maybe David Long, the Senate president. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kenley's name, I just haven't heard a lot um, about, about him in that context. Okay. Well, just say it's been – obviously, it's been a big issue here in Bloomington. And, you know, the university uh, came up with its plan to try to basically give an incentive to kids who keep their grades up. And Purdue has gone a different direction. Their faculty was not at all in – they didn't, they didn't want to be involved in any kind of an incentive program. They thought mm-hmm. it would put too much pressure on the faculty, so they've done something else. But Senator Kinley seems to be satisfied with what's happening there. So, Yes, and, and again, there was uh, quite a bit of ire expressed you know, when, when the, the tuition increases came. And, and they certainly weren't limited to IU and Purdue. Right. You know, we saw that pretty, pretty much across the board. Mm-hmm. But they um, just had, they had the big projects that the senator could hold up. So. Yes, you want to talk <laughs> yeah. about a little uh, – <laughs> You know, bargaining chips on the table, that was interesting. Right. Okay. Um, another issue that – well, let's talk about the Democrats for a minute because we've been talking about what could happen with the gubernatorial race and the Republicans. So what what Democrats do you see? Uh, I don't think Jill Long Thompson will be running again. No. Um, you know, we're hearing the, the two southern Indiana congressmen, um, uh, Baron Hill, is, is going to take a look at it. Obviously, he's got a fairly intense uh, reelection battle coming up in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Ellsworth has been showing up at uh, Jefferson Jackson Day dinners uh, outside his district. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Mayor, uh, former Indianapolis Mayor Bart Peterson, although he's got a, a, a very lucrative job with uh, Eli Lilly now, uh, so I've, I've kind of heard from you know people that are close to him both ways that that he likes what he's doing. 
mm-hmm. and uh, and that he's probably not going to get back into elect- electoral politics. One of our <laughs> frequent uh, guests on the show, Senator Vi Simpson, had a Democratic uh, run for governor going a, a few years ago. Um, Former aide to her um, told me that um, that she was going to you know take care of her reelection in ten and and then maybe take another look at it. So you know she is somebody that I'm going to at least put on my short list as uh, and and very credibly so. I think I think uh, um, she, first female um, uh, Senate minority leader uh, and real interesting in the Indiana Senate how many you know, that's gone from the the graybeard old man's mm-hmm. club to. Um, a lot of females that are now holding a leadership position. We're not seeing that in the Indiana House, however. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a phone call. Let's go to Deborah. Deborah, hi. Um, I really have a question about unions, and maybe that could be a program in itself. But my question is: we have a Democratic congressman and a Democratic senator, and our governor is Republican, and we don't have much jobs available for people who are in the unions. Um, as of the past few years. My husband is in a painting union and he doesn't have hardly any work ever. And so I just wondered if you could expound upon that. Um, what, you know, how much effect does the, the senator and the congressman have on our policy making and how much does the governor have is really my question. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was down at French Lick, I was uh, walking around the West Baden Hotel, and uh, and there was Jay Potesta. Excuse me. Can I hang up so I can turn on the radio? There's sure. another person listening. Okay, thank okay. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran into Jay Potesta, who heads the Sheet Metals Union, uh, also was a Democrat. I mean, it was fascinating to watch, uh, you know, these big banners um, at the Jefferson Jackson Day dinner the Democrats had that featured Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton in uh, May of uh, – or April of 08 and Jay Potesta's name is there but he backed Governor Daniels. Well, uh, some of the stimulus money that, that's come in, um, they've basically made the lion's share of it uh, available to the Purdue research, technology research and you know, I said, hey, Jay, how's it going? And he said, I've got 30 percent of my guys that are unemployed and uh, it's, you know, it's one thing to be laying uh, – uh, doing these bridges and, and laying the asphalt on, on the highways. Uh, but when the sheet metal guys get in and build something, uh, what what else happens when you when you build that kind of a building? You need appliances and carpet and furniture, and these are the kind of things that ripple out um, through through the rest of the economy. And I, uh, the the stimulus funds did have uh, uh, something that said that you, you know union workers had to be involved, and apparently in in this in this particular grant. Um, uh, there were a couple unions up in Fort Wayne that were included. They were very small, but the lion's share of the funds were going to Purdue, and that didn't settle well with uh, with the sheet metal guys. And yeah. I think they have a legitimate beef, you know. And I, I, I said, well, Jay, you probably ought to call the governor. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure where where that stands. It's something I'm certainly going to be following up on uh, mm-hmm. in, in the near future. Here, mm-hmm. what's been uh, going on in the summer study committees that you've been interested in? What are some of the highlights? Well, uh, actually, a lot of the, the big stuff is, is just around the corner. Um, I believe on the 29th, there's going to be a redistricting uh, hearing. And, of course, our Secretary of State, Todd Rokita, came out with a plan that would uh, make it a felony to use political data to reshape the maps. And uh, he came out with uh, – um, did a study on you know the, the current maps that look like some kind of psychological study. Right. Um, yeah. District 4 is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Franken yeah. District. Yeah, yeah, right. Boyer's yeah, Franken yeah. District. Um, uh, he, he was saying something you know, like uh, Warren County at the top of the 8th Congressional District is actually closer to Wisconsin than it is to yeah. Evansville. <laughs> um, and, and this is something that I think is, uh, is going to be fascinating because the governor I think has, has made it clear uh, that he's not going to sign any bill that has these crazy gerrymandered districts, and they're looking for. Um, well, there's uh, the end of a long tradition. Yeah, well, it is, and I think it's time. And you look at Iowa. Uh, Iowa's got the classic example. There are twelve. I did, I did a study. There's twelve other states that have some kind of redistricting commission, um, and I think that that's that's something that's probably going to happen because I, I just don't think the governor is going to sign a bill in 2011 with these crazy looking districts. I think they're looking at. Uh, 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 centers of interest, uh, uh, nesting. Uh, Rokita came up with a plan where each Indiana Senate district would have two House seats nested within. And uh, uh, there's also been a um, uh, 
Commission on Gaming. Uh, the, the gaming in Indiana is pretty much, um, uh, you know, reached a saturation point. We've got uh, neighboring states such as Iowa or um, Kentucky and Ohio that are uh, talking about bringing on more gaming. They've got to decide what they're going to do with the casinos. I'm not sure the the French Lick Casino is doing as well as it could. Obviously, a lot of this stuff came on board, and then uh, and then we had a very ser- uh, severe recession. Um, so, so those are the the two main uh, uh, issues that that have gotten the most ink so far this mm-hmm. this summer. Mm-hmm. Well, redistricting is uh, when I saw those maps, it was it was fascinating because the maps that Orkita had, I guess, has proposed or is looking at um, do kind of go along county lines, and it looks much much neater. But I don't know how politically that's going to fly. Well. Um, you know, when you've got the Republicans in the in the Senate and the House who, who also indicated uh, Brian Bosma is, is talking about a redistricting commission that the that the legislature would sanction. Um, the Constitution gives the legislature the uh, you know the the authority to create the districts. Obviously, mm-hmm. the governor is going to have to sign off on them. Um, so, uh, you know, on the Republicans, since they you know they control the governor's office in the Senate, and uh, I think there's probably a pretty good chance that they're going to. Con- Control the House, uh-huh. and so I think that that's probably pretty pretty likely mm-hmm. uh, to happen. Now, obviously, there's going to be a, a huge battle for who controls the Indiana House right now. The mm. uh, Democrats have a two seat um, majority, um, but you know when you look at history, you, know, you go back to uh, uh, the first um, uh, presidential midterm. Uh, the par- president's party doesn't do very well. Right. You know, it happened to Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. It happened to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton actually lost. Um, uh, Congress mm-hmm. after 40 years of democratic rule and, mm-hmm. and the, the, the irony there or the similarity there I guess would be health care reform uh-huh. that Hillary tried to get through yeah. in 1993 you know happened just a year before so we've got kind of a similar dynamic um, happening there. Mm-hmm. Very we, much so. we have a phone call. Let's go to David on the phone. <clears throat> David? Yes, good afternoon. Hey, David. Um, I, uh, I wanted to comment please on, on a couple of issues on health care that came up earlier in the program. The first was that you asked about cross-state insurance and why the president uh, doesn't have that in his plan. I think the reason is the same that some financial companies operate in the Cayman Islands. The concern is that with cross-state insurance, what you would actually have is a race to the bottom in terms of regulation, so that while uh, an insurance plan might offer seemingly competitive prices, these would be based on inadequate regulation. And the thought is that by having the regulation close to the consumer, there's some element of accountability. The second issue I wanted to mention briefly is tort reform. Uh, A study in 2002 by Public Citizen, the Citizens' Organization, found that more than half the medical errors come from less than 5% of the physicians. Uh, so it seems to me that until the AMA acts to disbar incompetent physicians, we need some accountability in court. Uh, but I would, my purpose is not to take people to court, it's to reduce medical errors. And that some uh, disbarment of incompetent doctors, and I am very grateful for most doctors who are competent, uh, would would do much as part of a reform package. Thank you. All right, David. Thanks a lot for the call. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. We've got less than 10 minutes to go. If, in, I, if I could address the, sure, the first thing that uh, David was at, David? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, brought up, you know, the, the cross uh, – being able to sell shirts across state lines. You know, we, we saw a similar dynamic uh, back in the early 90s with uh, banking here in Indiana. Uh, where for a long time you can a bank couldn't have a branch outside a county, let alone right. a state, and that right. was that was opened up, um, and unfortunately probably too late for Indiana because by the time uh, we had modernized our banking laws, you know we had all these banks from Ohio and <clears throat> Michigan coming in, and uh, I'm not sure who would pick up the regulation if you don't have a state insurance mm-hmm. commissioner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Oh, go ahead. No. Oh, well, I was just going to say we've got a, a short session uh, in our Indiana State Legislature <coughs> coming up this year. What, it, what, if anything, do you think we'll get done? <laughs> All right. Our guest has a little cough right now. Right. <coughs> Pardon me. 
All right. That's all right. All right. Well, we're, yeah, the short <coughs> session's coming up. We'll, we'll get yeah, back Yeah, we handled to, the, the budget. We'll get back to Brian in a minute. Another uh, – More or less. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> got the short session that's going to come up. The other issue I hope we can address a little bit uh, before we, uh, we get out of here is public education and mm-hmm. the uh, public education and, and Secretary Bennett and some of the things that he's been – been doing with that because I think that's another key issue. Um, so we'll get you know we've got Brian back now. I think back. We hope we hope he's back and we hope he's back with us. You all right? I think so. Poor what? guy. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's been too exciting of a show. I guess it's uh, yeah. So can you well short session? Um, Kern and Shepherd. Uh huh. I think I expect mm. that to come up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Again. Yeah. Okay. Kernan Shepard is, of course, the uh, the report about reorganizing state government and that county government. County government, yeah. Right. Sorry, reorganizing county government in the state of Indiana, and that came up, but not a whole lot really happened with that in the last session. Well, the Democrats in the House killed it um, last February. <clears throat> um, the governor is saying that he's going to bring it back right after the special session is over. There's one of the first things he said mm-hmm. would be back on the front burner. I'm not sure, quite sure what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. How many bills are going to be in? But one of the things that we're looking at is the the property tax caps are really going to start kicking in. Mm-hmm. Um, we've se- just seen the first part of that. Mm-hmm. By 2011, mm-hmm. a lot of these cities are going to be facing you know severe shortfalls, and that's the design of the property tax caps, mm-hmm. which is to force <clears throat> government units to um, to begin to consolidate, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I expect that to be a major issue in the short session. Yeah, well, it's it's certainly something that's been with us for a long time, and mm-hmm. we'll, I, I, you know we we've written many editorials about it in various ways, things that we think could be done. So, um, that's our, certainly one way to accomplish smaller local government. Yeah, I I, I mentioned public education too because I think you know uh, uh, Tony Bennett's been going around, and he's he's certainly uh, ruffled a lot of feathers in the in the traditional public school arena with his ideas about uh, and also with with uh, in universities that have schools of education with his ideas about competencies uh, in in teachers so how how big of an issue is that going to be in the next session well i'm not sure i mean they're they're already making changes on the on the professional licensing board mm-hmm. um, those changes you know they they kind of took a time out when he came in. But uh, I believe those are kind of on the fast track. I'm not sure what uh, the House Democrats are going to do to kind of try to react to that. What's the ISTA lobby's take on this? Well, I have not talked to anybody in the ISTA, but Bennett told me that that they're kind of in a listening mode, that they haven't been, um, you know, knee-jerk opposing everything that they're Mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. And – but I think that that's that's something that's certainly going to come up in in, in the session. and it's been fascinating to me to watch um, Tony Bennett and Arne Duncan, uh, Obama's uh, uh-huh. uh, education secretary. I mean they're reading off the same script, you know, very similar on charter schools, increasing school day. Um, obviously the House Democrats had to backtrack on this uh, cap on charter schools. That, that went by the wayside so that Indiana could participate in the, the race for uh, – um, race for the top. Race for mm-hmm. the top funding. There's uh, several billion dollars that are that are being kicked around there, and so you know while Governor Daniels and President Obama they they govern govern kind of in similar styles. They're very good on the campaign trail. They're very much different ideologically, but it seems to me where they're coming together is on education. And and one of the things that that Bennett told me at one point was that uh, some of the stimulus money. That, that came about mm-hmm. uh, in February mm-hmm. is actually now spilling into schools to uh, actually fulfill uh, the unfunded part of uh, No Child Left Behind, mm-hmm. which I thought was fascinating. I, I think we should have Tony Bennett on the show sometime. I think yeah, he, should. he is an interesting guy. He, he is an interesting guy, and he he uh, yeah he he has definitely he has definite ideas, and some of them are not very popular uh, with a lot of people involved in education in the state, but he has a lot of energy too. Well, yeah, yeah, particularly when you're talking about bringing on, you know, again, um, middle-aged professionals who decide they want to, you know, either teach or lead a school. Um, they're they're kind of opening the gates for for that, and how yeah. you know that what's what's the impact going to be on that? And I think we won't know for four, five, six years. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got one phone call. I think we can slide in before the show's over. It's Joe. Joe. 
Hello, Joe? Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, hi, quick question. Uh, you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that uh, I think the guest here said, oh, I wouldn't mind paying $1,000 a year for health care. Well, I wouldn't either, but in France they paid 3800 a year, and they're $12 billion in debt already, and, and actually they have caps on doctor salaries. I think it's 200000 a year. And I wondered if we're talking about that here, and what is the ballpark figure of what it might cost the average citizen if we had some kind of national health care plan what it, compared to France? They're That's, paying 3800 very, okay. very good question. Brian, yeah. I don't know if you have an answer for that. I, I, I don't know what, you know what the various bills, you know, what, what uh, such a price tag would be. All I, I, I run a small business. Uh, I was on a COBRA plan, and I think three years in a row, um, my business – had to pay. I was paying about thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars a year, you know, to cover my family, mm-hmm. and and that's something that I mean, if my business had taken a dip, you know, it could have run us out of business, mm-hmm. and and that's something that has to be settled. So, good question. I, I wish I could answer it. All I, all I know is my own personal experience, and I know a lot of other small businesses are faced with the same thing. You know, it's just a very complicated issue. We really need yeah. more debate on this. Thing. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. It Thanks. is, and I do know when Baron Hill was here, he talked about I believe it's a Mayo Clinic as a, mm-hmm. as a yes. place that yes, has, he does use that. That has uh, you know a lot of their physicians are paid a salary, right? And mm-hmm. that it's a it's a model system that that he thinks that we should be looking at. So. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, Joe. And we're out of time. Brian, this has gone it fast. Went so fast, really right? Fast. Well, we hope to be able to have you back because you know, we like to talk politics down here. And Good. I'd love to be back. All right. We'll, we'll have Brian Howie back with us at some point in the future. I want to thank uh, him for being here. I want to thank Mary Catherine, of course, as always, and thank Ariana Prothero, our producer, and Mike Pashkash, our engineer. For a Noon Edition, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.